True North, good morning. Come on, let's clap for Jesus. It's good to be in the house. Family, how you doing today? Are you glad to be in God's house? You doing all right? Well, hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, I hope you feel um, welcome here. You are welcome here, and we're glad that you're joining us today. And for all those joining us for the first time online, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us. And to our family, I'm at SCI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. Let's show them some love, family. Clap for them. <laughs> Grateful for you, man. And uh, well, hey, today uh, I have a, uh, just, we're going to change it up a little bit. And uh, the first service uh, was fantastic. And I know people were blessed, they were equipped, and they were challenged. And so today, um, on this wonderful Sunday, I've asked two men, um, one you are very familiar with. I've asked my father, Pastor Eric, um, the founding pastor of our Church, to join me on platform today. Um, and with him, I've asked Pastor Basil Watson, um, who has pastored for over 30 years in South Jersey in the city of Violin. Um, he and I uh, met um, not too long ago, and I just believe between the two of them and the conversation we'll have today, on where do we as the church and individually as followers of Christ go? How do we lead to a place of healing in America? And I believe with all my heart that we play a role in that. I don't believe we are just innocent bystanders, bystanders watching things unfold and there's nothing we can do. I actually believe the exact opposite. I believe as sons and daughters of heaven that we have a primary role in what's happening in this nation and in our region and in our cities. And um, I'm just excited to have this conversation. Um, we're we're going to chase, you know, uh, we chase some rabbits in the conversation, but I'm just praying we can always bring it back um, to the conversation. Can you do me a favor? Can you stand to your feet? I really believe in showing honor and giving honor where it's due. Church, this is the first time pastor's ever been with us, Pastor Basil. Show him some love. Clap for the two of them as they come. Come on. They're going to be on their best behavior, I promise. <laughs> All right, you may be seated. Well, I met Pastor Basil at um, a wedding. I remember coming home and telling uh, my father, I said, I met this pastor. He's like, how's the wedding? I was like, the wedding was fantastic. It was amazing. And um, I said, but I met this minister, and um, he loves Jesus. Now, that may come as a shock to you, <laughs> but what I really meant to say, he has a fear of God. And, and not of man. And, and I love that. And we were, we kind of preached to each other, I think, for a few That's minutes right. at the wedding. We didn't, we were a little distracted. But from that time on, we've, we've had the opportunity to, to talk and to encourage one another. I do want to make sure that I acknowledge his, his wife, Gloria, is here with his, with his uh, children, his daughters, his son. Um, can you welcome them? Clap for them as well. We're grateful that you're with us today. And uh, uh, one of the reasons that I asked the two of them to come and to just have this conversation was primarily because in, in my journey with Jesus, I realized that there, there are always people around me who are further ahead in their journey who have helped shape and guide and direct not only the decisions I've made, but how to walk as a follower of Jesus. And and my father has been instrumental in my journey with the Lord, obviously, and you've had the opportunity to hear him on a Sunday. And I just believe the two of them carry so much wisdom in, in areas of prayer, leadership, um, and raising up a generation to follow God. So I've asked the two of them to join us. And maybe before we get started, Pastor Basil, just share a little bit about your story, your background, because um, it's a powerful story. I love it. Well, thank you, Pastor Jesse. Um, I met 
Pastor Jesse at a wedding and we were both roaring. You know, a warrior knows warrior. So we were just, we were talking, we were just roaring back and forth, preaching to each other. Um, but I'm a Jamaican by race, a child of God by grace. Um, let me share with you, my mom had me when she was 16 years old. Wasn't married. I am the product of my mom, teenage mom, raised by my grandmom. My mom came to America, left me in Jamaica. My grandmom took me to church. My grandmom was a God-fearing woman. And I think I first start learning how to walk by faith by watching my grandmom because one of my cousins got ill and my grandmom said to God, Lord, this boy need to get to the doctor. I don't have any money to take him. Lord, send the money. And that evening, the mail came and my uncle who was living in London, England, sent enough money for her to get the bus to take my cousin to the hospital. So that's how I began to learn how to walk by faith. And then I came here in September of 1974, um, came into Vineland. I was 13 years old, uh, went to the Wesleyan Church, uh, gave my heart to Jesus Christ September of 1978, sent a call in my life for the ministry, and God allowed me to go to Allentown to the Wesleyan College. I studied for the ministry there while I was in Lehigh Valley. I saw Gloria at church with this guy from New York City. All right. Guy looked like Lionel Harris with an afro, right? So for three years, I hadn't seen her. And then one, I said to my buddy in, in Saturday evening in the dorm, I said, that girl's going to be at church Sunday. He said, you crazy, man. I said, I'm not crazy. I saw her putting on her shoes and her glasses. She's going to be in church Sunday. You crazy. Sunday got to church, four pews behind me. There she is sitting with Lionel Harris with big afro, right? I noticed that. No ring on the finger. So I started doing some investigation. And we start talking. And I just told her about what the Lord is doing in my heart. And she came to the campus one day. Cute as all get out. You know what I'm saying? She said, I grew up in a pastor's home. I did my time. I ain't married no preacher. Now, I, I didn't get deflated. I just said, Lord, four against one. How's she going to fight that? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Basil, four against one. Come on, right? <laughs> she, she's, she's got to come my way you know what I mean and so by the grace of God the Lord work it out I had a friend of mine Pat Kelly he's in heaven he used to say when he saw Phyllis he said Lord work it out so he worked it out and Gloria and I've been married for 35 years we have four adult children and one of the great joy we have <laughs> one of the great joy we have is that our children are in the faith I wanted to know that if I get to heaven before they do, that they were coming behind me. So we did not spend our days just focusing on ministry to the world. We did not want to win the world and lose our kids. Right? So that was very important. So there were some things that we did. We did not want to have new furniture and lose our kids. We did not want to get to the end of life and seeing that we had all this stuff. But we had failed to instruct our, our children in the things of God. Amen. I am grateful this morning that if I am ill or something is going down, I can call in any one of my children and they'll be able to lift me before the throne of grace. I thank God for that. That's a blessing. Amen. 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 One, of the, one of the verses, you and I, we've talked about this verse many times in Second Chronicles um, 
chapter 7, verse 14. This is what it says, church. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Um, I, we don't need to go around and, and um, give a platform to an enemy, but we know that division and chaos and discord are evident in our nation. And I've, I believe this with all of my heart, that the church plays a fundamental role in the healing that is to occur in our nation. I believe that with all of my heart, and, and I believe that there's a parallel line into praying and in action. I believe we pray, not as a double-minded man, but praying that God will do what he says he's going to do, and that he's going to use us as a church to lead in those ways. And I know growing up, being a young person in church, I would always try to identify the hypocrisy that existed in the church to, in some way... Um, make myself feel better about not honoring God and doing things. And if I could find it evident, then, in, you know, it would be my excuse. But I believe God's calling a, a generation today of people who not only declare his word, but who pray his word and walk in his word. And, and so we need to pray um, like, like never before, but we need to have a fear of God and walk in that truth. And one of the examples of my father in my life has always just been walking in your identity of knowing who you are in Christ and the role that play, plays in, in leading. My father, uh, dad, one of the things you, you taught us so well growing up was that, that when there's a void of leadership, um, you won't have the right person in the right place. And um, I, I realized this just recently when I was talking to you about um, when you have young children starting to play sports and you don't even really know if they like, like the sport, if they're going to be good at the sport. And um, they go out for the team and it's a soccer team, baseball team, whatever. And, and the parent that's coaching um, has never played the sport before. And so they don't even know how many players go out and they're trying to read everything. And then, and, but the truth is, I, no other parent has any room to say anything because no one else volunteered. And we're living in a culture now, and this is our default. We're gonna complain about the leadership that's there, but we will refuse to lead ourselves. And I've realized that we, the, the leadership, and you've alluded to this in our prayer life, the leadership that exists in our home should overflow into the communities that we live in. And out of the communities, it should flow into the regions and into the state and into the federal government. But as believers in Jesus, we shouldn't complain about who's leading. We should step up and we should lead. <laughs> Pastor, talk to, to uh, uh, one, of the, one of the challenges in, in, in healing um, is that need of uncertainty of what to do. How important is prayer in, in the process of healing America? It's the missing link. Uh, many a well-known pastors have stated how they have no problem with people lining up to buy their books, but they can't get those folks into the prayer meeting. And there's a reason for that. We don't pray because we don't believe anything is going to happen. We pray out of a relationship with Christ. Um, Jesse alluded to his dad example. My son will talk about my example. My daughters will talk about my example. Um, if you are in a healthy relationship with your family, you're going to talk with them. As a married man, I can be in the same house. My wife has said, we need to spend time together. We're in the same house. 
but doesn't mean that we are communicating or we are spending time. So one of the great um, sin in the church is the sin of prayerlessness. We are so inundated with our issues that we don't see the importance of entering with God. Jesus cries over our nation. Jesus wept this week over the woman who is walking in New York City, pushing her stroller, and she gets taken out by some gunman. Jesus hear the cry of that husband, hear the cry of that baby without a father. Jesus hear the cries of the destitute. So prayer is conversation with God. And if you're a young believer, the moment you're born again, you have access. Listen, when the wildebeest is born in Africa, they're up on their feet ready to run because there's a bunch of hungry lions around, right? The moment you're born again, you have instant direct access into the very throne room of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. A young believer, he got born again and it started to rain. He has his new Bible. He says, Lord, this is my Bible. Don't let it rain in my Bible. And the rain stopped. You see, you have access and we, we, we take so little advantage of it because we are very self-sufficient. We think we got it going on. We don't need God. But I was telling Pastor Jesse, one of the things I know is this. God is going to send enough trouble where you have no choice but to pray. Amen. <laughs> That's it. What is it? It's the collection of not thinking that prayer will change mm -hmm. anything. Therefore, I can forfeit praying. Or maybe it's a misunderstanding of our role mm -hmm. and our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that God is the source of all things. And he chooses to work through us as vessels. So we are conduits. He is the source. So don't, if you get them mixed up, you will think that you produce the things that only come from God. Like when we say, oh, well, I'm just loving them. The Bible says you have no capacity to love. You love because he first loved you. Amen. And so everything that we do, it's not because we're good, it's because he's good. And so we understand that we are first conduits of all things of grace and hope and mercy and love. Mm -hmm. And if we recognize that we are conduits of it, we become more dependent on him. That one of the things you've always helped us with is the practical nature of praying. And you've prayed over us. Um, you could probably share the story about how you used to um, wrangle yeah, well, me. I, I think uh, <laughs> Pastor Basil touched on the, the importance of seeing it in action. So mm -hmm. a lot of times it's, you know, we're, 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 taught by what we see more than by what we, you know, people preach to us. But I can remember as a teenager, and I came to Christ before my, my father, and, and he had a dr dramatic conversion at the Billy Graham crusade. And I can remember coming home as a teenager, you know, later at night, because I was the oldest, oldest son of 11, and, and uh, I would hear dad and mom praying. I said, man, that's, that's really cool, they do. But every time I'd come home at a certain time, I'd hear him praying. And I put my ear up against the door and I hear him praying for everybody in the family, for family members. And I said, but wow, that really made an impact on my life. So I want in turn to have my kids see that the same way. And, and uh, so I would make an appointment that I would pray. Yes, I would pray early in the morning and having eight kids, you know, there's always one kid that's not sleeping or wandering around. And, uh, and, I, and I know the scripture talks about going into your prayer closet and your praise a place of prayer, but when you have young kids, you want them to see you praying. Yeah. Yeah. So they would come around and maybe bother me, and I know Jess was a wanderer, and I would just bear hug them. 
And I would just start professing the, the uh, blessings on his life. This is a man of God. He, he'll serve you. He's going to be a great father. He's going to be a great man of God. And, and so my kids saw it in action, you know, my, whether it's mom or I praying. And uh, I think that's important. It's important for them to see you walk the walk. And uh, that, I think that created a great atmosphere for us as a family. What do you think that role, I mean, both of you are talking about leading in the aspect of praying. And maybe you can be some encouragement to those. Because I know how the enemy works, right? He always works in guilt, condemnation. So when you two are talking, and I have to tell you from the perspective, um, in, in, in my place, I'm looking at you two and I'm like, man, what can I learn? Because I want to be able to, to say what the two of you are saying and say, look at my children, they love Jesus. And so I'm, I'm absorbing as much as I know they are, but what are the, what are the practical things that, that people can do in order to develop their prayer life? Well, I would say this. Um, start with a prayer list. Get a notebook. Put the names of the persons that you're going to ask God to do something in their life. So you have something that's tangible you know, that you're looking at. And as you begin to do that, you'll begin to increase in prayer. I find that if you're praying for someone, it's kind of hard to stab them in the back. You just call heaven on their behalf. How can you now turn around and, and, and do something that's unscrupulous? So I would say uh, begin with a prayer list and uh, go from there. And the Bible is filled with beautiful prayers. In the Colossians, the letter to the church of Colossae, Apostle Paul says, um, this is my prayer that you would walk in the light. I mean, it just slipped my mind, but beautiful prayer in Colossians. And he says that the Lord would open their eyes. And here's Acts 26, 18, or Acts 18, 26, 26, 18. The apostle says to open their eyes, to turn them from spiritual darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and have a place amongst each of us who are sanctified by faith in your glorious name. So if I was praying for Pastor Jesse, who, you know, he's saved now, right? I would put, Lord, I pray you'd open Jesse's eyes. Turn him from spiritual darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, so that he would receive forgiveness for his sins and have a place amongst each of us who are sanctified by faith in your glorious name. You're praying back the word of God to God. God Amen. honors his word. Amen. Right? I mean, that's your card blanche right there. That's, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's Lord, good. this is what you said. Yeah. No, that's so good. And then I, I even know there, my father and mother set an example of always praying for people, even those who um, may have been described as enemies of theirs. And I know one thing, Pastor, if we're not praying for the things that we want, we're definitely not praying for the enemies that yeah. we have. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges that we face is this is, an, this is a fascinating thing for me, especially living in America, is we constantly tell a younger generation it's about being independent. When are you going to get your car? When are you going to move out? When are you going to get your, you know, your cell phone? When are you going to be free? For, to make your own choices. And then you realize that in this upside-down kingdom that we live and we abide in, mm -hmm. the scriptures say that this is not our home. Just a, and just a reminder to the sons and daughters of heaven. This is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through. 
And the Bible teaches us so many principles about how to grow in our maturity with God. And one of them is not to become more independent of God, but more dependent sure. on God. Mm -hmm. sure. So the mature Christian is someone who gets up each day and doesn't say, well, I don't need to read. I read four months ago, you know, and I know that scripture really well. And no, the, the mature Christian gets up every morning and says, I can do, apart from God, I can do nothing. And they know the scripture, they walk in it. And I want to encourage you in this. When you hear about the faithfulness of these two men praying over their children, I know how the enemy works. He whispers in your ear in this environment and says, see, you've never done that. That's why your children aren't where they, where they are right now. And see, you've never, can I just tell you, God never motivates his children through fear and condemnation. He doesn't try to encourage you and uses the tactic of guilt and condemnation and fear. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It says in the scriptures that therefore there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so it's not from heaven to you. And so if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm listening to this and man, I've failed in the past. I've never prayed over my children. And I've never prophesied over them, laid hands upon them and prayed protection over them. I've never done that. Can I tell you something? It's never too late to start to begin to proclaim the goodness of God Amen. over your kids. Amen. It's never too late. Before pastor knew anything about me and we started, we had our first meeting and I have to tell you that just the amount of respect I have for him. And when we first met, all he asked me were about my, my wife and my children. And then he spent about 10 minutes just praying for protection over my wife and my children and prayed for you. Amen. And I said, there's something in that. My father would be the same way and Pastor Basil would be, and he's demonstrated the same. And I, I, I think sometimes we don't pray because we don't think there's power in it, but maybe because, again, we just get confused about what to pray mm -hmm. and fitting it into the time and when do we pray. And you've already alluded to some practical things. What are some of the things you do? I know your morning routine. Maybe share a little bit with, with the family. You know, I, I, I want to jump on a thing that you said about we just... Uh, celebrated Father's Day a few weeks back. And, and you know, the scripture said, you, you know, among you, you have many teachers, but few fathers. And I think this is really a call to our nation. We're a nation, we've, we've stumbled from God, and we've probably stumbled the number one thing. Yes, we've fallen from God, but the father has stepped away from the family. Either he isn't in the family or he stepped away. So we're talking about leadership, and, and, and I would say probably one of the greatest things in leadership is having a father that loves God, that's serving God, that's being obedient to him. And I really believe that you fathers out there, don't ever uh, underestimate your importance. I mean, the statistics will show you that when a father is in the house, physically and spiritually, your kids have a running advantage over any kids out there, whether it's educational, whether it's spiritual, or just serving God. So, uh, you know, be that leader, be that father in the house. And what was the question he asked me? <laughs> That was good. Um, rabbit no, trails. We're going to no, get some no, rabbit trails. No, it's good. It's, it's, I wanted it to be a candid conversation, and it is. I, I, I know that you, both of you, have um, a priority of praying. You've just built it into you. It's, you don't get up and say, oh, wait, I forgot. It's, it's that 10 minutes of prayer. I have to make sure that I get my prayer time in yeah. because if people find out that I didn't get my prayer time in, then they're going to say, well, no, but you've woven it into the fabric of your life, and I know that many of us, we make, everyone makes the same excuses. Mm -hmm. It's never, um, 
it's never a unique one. Oh, I don't have enough time. I don't know what to pray for. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember early on, I always used to use my inability to focus as a reason not to pray. And, and then, but we can make so many excuses, but when you realize there's power in prayer, that one of the things I wanted you to share was just, you have a very, very steady routine in the morning. If I ever know, if I ever want to find my father, I know that he's outside, weather permitting, under this tree, in his chair, reading his Bible and doing his devotional at the same time every morning. And there's a consistency in that. And I mean, I, I don't know how else to say this to you, but I think um, NS a few weeks ago was giving an offering talk and it was powerful and it was moving, but the essence of it was this, a generation is watching you. That's right. And I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I watched, my father loves sports more than anyone. And like, anyone, trust me, he loves it. You know, he's quiet and humble. Then you like make an error out on the baseball field and it's like, what? You know, I'm just kidding. It's true. And, um, but we were on the same softball team. I I'm always not, grew up. Not as bad as Jess. <laughs> yeah. I just grew up admiring my dad. And then I went to play his, his spot at third. And if I made an error, he'd be like, son, fundamentals. It's basic stuff, you know? And, um, but one of the things that I knew about my father is when it came to that, nothing was more important than being in the house of God. And so there could have been something very important on Sunday, but he would always, and it wasn't hard for him. He says, no, the Lord's first. And so I just wonder what's first for you and what's first for you. I, I know, you know, what well, maybe you both can talk about that in your life today. What are the, what are the first? We know it says in Matthew 6, 33, the seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. And we live in a nation where everyone wants all of these things added, and then they want to go after God. But the scripture says the exact opposite. It says, first, seek after the things of God. And I know some of you are like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I feel inadequate to do it. No, 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 just run after Jesus. Wherever you need him to fill, whatever aspect of your life feels to be um, upended, run after God in that area. But what are some of the things maybe that you would say you've placed first to both of you in your life? Well, I, I think that um, the Lord is my life. And if I'm not walking in fellowship with him, then I can't help you and you can't help me. Um, I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is filled with men and women who intercede. God comes to an Abraham. God knows Sodom is wicked. Should I keep from Abraham, my friend, what I'm about to do? Immediately, Abraham began to intercede. In Genesis 18, what if there's 50 righteous? Will you destroy the righteous or the wicked? And God said, if there's 50, I won't do it. And on and on he goes, all the way down to 10. And when it was all said and done, only his nephew and his two daughters made it out of Sodom and Gomorrah. The prophet Elisha, 2 Kings 6, the king of Aram is really upset. He said, will you not tell me who's on the side of Israel? None of us, my liege. But Elijah, the prophet, know what you say in your bedroom. He sends a battalion of soldiers to capture the prophet. Elijah's servant wake up early morning to go get water to make tea. Because we're Jamaican, we're British, we like tea. <laughs> And he looked and the hills was full of chariots and horses from Aram. And he said, my master, my master, look, men from Aram. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. And he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And when his eyes were open, he saw the chariots of heaven all around the prophet Elisha. 
there is more with you this morning than with them out here. Come on, come on. All of this noise, all of this false ideology, it's a lie. Evil will never win, right? And all these people in the scripture, they prayed. Jesus prayed. He was the son of God. And he prayed. So if the son of God deemed it a necessity to talk to his father, how do we think we're going to make it throughout the day without praying? Listen, three out of four Americans wants to punch somebody in the mouth at work. Don't you think you should pray before you go to work? <laughs> this COVID has made people crazy mad. Yeah. Right? Don't you think you should pray before you leave your house? Listen, don't leave the house without it. Lord, I put my day in your hand. Lord, I love you. I thank you for the privilege of prayer. It is a privilege. It's a birthright as a child of God. Listen, you don't mm. want to call heaven and the return come by insufficient funds. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you haven't put any, anything in the account. Listen, someday, my grandmom used to Basil. Listen, this is my Jamaican. They call me, they call me Basil here in Jamaica. My grandma called me Basil. <laughs> Basil. The day will come, but they're going to throw their money out in the street. It won't be worth nothing. People are investing in fool's gold. You want to send it up, amen? Come Listen, on. I'm going to close. I'm going to give it back to Pastor Jesse. Listen, when we stand on that day before the Lord and our names are called, how many folks are going to be standing and say, thank you for your prayer? You prayed for my nation. You prayed for my community. You prayed for the city. And I was one of those persons who responded to Jesus Christ in response to your intercession. How many of us are going to stand up in heaven just rejoicing because your name got called and all of a sudden people start popping up. He said, well, that's, they're not Basil. And they're going to rejoice because of your prayer life. God used it to bring them into the faith. You're wealthy. Don't be walking around here like you ain't got nothing. Come on. I, come on, clap for that. Yeah. There's a sense of a, a fear of the Lord that, that pushes you into a place of, a place of prayer. I grew up in, and everything in church was an event. You know this. Everything the church did was an event. We were trying to form a lifestyle by forming events. But a lifestyle is developed by meeting a person, and his name is Jesus. And we may have events, but the event's purpose and the sole goal of it is for you to be introduced to the person of Jesus. That's the purpose of it. And Jesus is the one that transforms you from the inside out. And I want you to know the way you walk with strength in a, in a fallen world is to have a fear of the Lord. It's to have a fear of the Lord. Saul, the first king of Israel, he, if you read through the scripture, it says that he had everything. Mm -hmm. Taller than every man. He had the appearance, the look, the stature, mm -hmm. the strength. And then at one point in the scripture, you see that he's instructed by the prophet of God to go into battle and they give, he's given specific instructions not to take anything, but he declines to obey the prophet of God. And he says, but it's all right because I took the spoils and I'm giving them as a sacrifice to God. Hmm. <laughs> he's doing God a favor, which is what I always thought when I would show up to church for the one hour, like, all right, God, I got you, got my hour, okay. And, and the prophet says to him, doesn't he? He says, he says, what is better to sacrifice or to obey? God wants obedience over sacrifice. And the only way that you walk in obedience before God is if you have a fear of God. I can tell you, you have one or the other. You cannot have both. You either walk with the fear of the Lord 
or you walk with the fear of man. And he was so consumed with what people thought of him that he would not walk upright before God. And I want to challenge you today. Who are you living to please? Society, neighbors, other people? Or do you want to live a life of holiness before the eyes of God? And I want you to know that as a son and a daughter of heaven, that you have all the authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he releases the church in that early moment to go in the authority that has been given to him. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the grave abides, dwells in the believer. And so walk with that authority. I want to give the two of you last thoughts in our conversations as we get ready to close. Any final words of encouragement to the church from either one of you? I'm just enjoying listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> it is a great privilege that you have to be able to speak with the Lord, the King of the universe. Listen, he's the one. There's a day coming when every knee will bow, every tongue is going to confess in heaven, on earth, under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, Ezekiel 37 says, he sent a prophet into the valley of dry bones. There were some bones that were so dry, it was dry. And he said, prophesy to these bones, come to life. And all of a sudden he said, there was a rattle. A shaking took place in the valley. And the bones began to attach tendons and then they grew skin. And he said, was a prophesy and everything, everyone came back to life. God does not have Alzheimer's, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. my brothers and sisters. Heaven is in perfect synchronization, keeping perfect record. Add to your account, anyone who has the power to raise up from the grave, I am playing with him. Amen? I live in the fear of God, and we are the church of Jesus Christ. When you come together at True North, or you come together in Vine and Wesleyan, we want an army of soldiers who are equipped to take back the territory that the enemy has stolen. All right? The devil, he's a lying punk. Christ crushed him at the cross. Final judgment will come at the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to glory. He's going to hell. He's not going to Haiti. He's going to hell. Right? He's defeated and he knows it. And if he can keep you off his knee, off your knees, keep you out of prayer, he wins because he doesn't care how busy you are. But the weakest Christian on their knees calling on God, the devil trembles. Because our daddy is bigger than him. Right. All right. Come on. <laughs> One of the heartbeats of this family is always to give people an opportunity to connect with Jesus. I know when people come and, um, and they join us maybe for the first time, maybe you're joining us online for the first time, maybe you're here for the first time. And, and I know people often like, oh, I've saw that church. What is that church all about? I'll be very honest with you. We are a bunch of broken people who have been redeemed by Jesus. Um, we are not perfect, nor do we claim to be, but we serve a perfect God who has risen and defeated sin and death and is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And, and every time we gather, we give people the opportunity to walk in new life, in new life. 
The Bible says that everyone must be born again, born again. And what does that mean? You may ask Jesus in conversation um, with, a, with an early Pharisee having this conversation and he tells him that people must be born again. And he says, I don't understand. He says, everyone is born physically, but everyone must be spiritually reborn. That's why Jesus came from heaven to earth so that he could redeem humanity. I know that every time I say that in America, people get confused when I say that you need to be saved. And they say, oh, no, I don't save from what? Save from yourself, ultimately. The Bible says that you are separated from the Father because of sin. Sin separates us from the Father. But God, in his love towards us, sent his one and only Son from heaven to earth, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This world will tell you what love looks like, but the scripture paints it very differently. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's two things that keep you from humbling yourself to receive salvation. It's pride or self-condemnation. Pride is described in scripture as self-righteousness. It means this, that you don't need God because you have yourself. And then self-condemnation is just one that says, oh, how could God love me? I'm just so messed up. I could never do anything right. And God came for both the self-righteous and the self-condemned. And he came to call all people to himself to be healed and to find salvation. And so if you want to know what True North is about, we are about introducing people to Jesus Christ and to discipling them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And maybe you, on your journey in life today, maybe you need to begin by saying yes to Jesus. Before we go, will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for some of you in this moment that we have together. And so if you're here today, and I'm not asking you what denomination you grew up in or what you're familiar with in church. I'm asking you, have you ever got to the place to humble yourself, to repent of your sins, and to call on the name of Jesus? Because this is your moment. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. The Bible describes our life like a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. And so right now in this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you know you have to get right with God, that you have to surrender your life and you have to begin to, to serve him and place him Lord over every aspect of your life. I want to lead you in a prayer. We as Americans are proud people and we should be, but we should understand that the founding, though so many things were wrong in the founding, there were many, many in the founding of our nation that honored and loved God. And they prayed fervently, even in the disasters of what would transpire in the hundreds of years afterwards. They prayed and fervently sought the Lord as we should today. And maybe in this moment, you've been walking this life out, just trying to figure out why you're here and what your purpose is. And my friend, I want you to know the scriptures teach that God has placed eternity in the heart of man. And the only one that can fill that void is Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're ready to say yes, I want to lead you in this prayer. You, you can't purchase salvation. It's a free gift, my friend. Ephesians 2.8 says, by grace through faith that one is saved. Romans 10.9 says, as if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. So come on, church family. Let's lead those who are here today, those joining us online in the prayer of salvation. Repeat this after me. Say, dear heavenly father, I receive your son, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross and conquered sin and death. I'm now a Christian 
Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap for everybody that said that. Come on, True North, stand to your feet as we get ready to go today. Hey, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want to tell you by far the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. As you exit out of the, the auditorium into the lobby, you're going to see a group of people. They're going to be holding these um, white books, waving them up in the air. It's a New Testament Bible. It's a gift from us to you inside as material to help you in your journey with the Lord. And listen, it's my heart. I don't want this just to be a place you attend on Sunday. I want it to to be a family that you belong to. I sincerely mean that with all my heart. And, and so if you said that prayer for the first time or maybe rededicated your life, can I encourage you to stop and talk to somebody? Um, I know your emotions. Some of you in your old life, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Some of you in your old life used to be led by your emotions. Emotions are great servants, but they're horrible masters. When we serve the King of Kings, we walk according to His ways. And I want to help you do that. And so if you did say yes, make sure that you stop. Um, you'll be blessed because of it. For everyone else, can I pray for you? Stretch your hands to heaven. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your guidance and your direction. I thank you for Pastor Eric and Pastor Basil. Father, bless him. Continue to anoint him and to expand his territory. Father, bless his children. Father, bless those in his family. Father, Holy Spirit, go with us as we go today. May we walk in the, in the power and the authority that you have given us as sons and daughters, Father. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. So, Father, let us walk with that authority as we leave today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we amen. Come on, family, clap for everybody that said that prayer. <laughs>